we had we had ten points uh, no, we uh, had last week on the power of positive thinking. We had sixteen. And, uh, we only got to eight. Oh, we had oh we had sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> we got to eight of them. Oh, <laughs> maybe we have to start over. No, 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 no. This is good. This is good. I think it's hilarious because this is how your brain works, Paul. Like you, this is why you have written so many books. Oh, you want to you want to start over? No, no, no. Joe will take these we parts. Can edit this part out. Yeah, we okay. can edit this part where we say no, 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 but we're gonna leave in the giggle yeah. part about the fact that you know. Okay. But anyway. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here. We're getting ready to do another roundtable with Dr. Paul Meyer. Paul, welcome to the show. Hello, Kristen. It's always (laughs) nice to be with you and with our listening family. Yes, absolutely. And I, I have a little giggle in my voice because we just did a show where we said, hey, we only could get through a few of them that tonight and we're going to do a second show to delve even more into the power of positive yeah. thinking. And then yeah, you had, tell everyone what you points. did with that ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Last week, Kristen, we only covered uh, part of our points on the power of positive thinking and we had uh, a few to go. But what I did uh, since then is I took the few to go and divided those into 20 points. So <laughs> I found little subcategories and subcategories and subcategories. So I'm so uh, not shocked in any way whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit obsessive compulsive, you know, but, so, but they're so good. Anyway, we'll, we'll cover these. We'll cover these. And I think, you know, I, I think that this will cover all the other ones that we missed too. Yeah, absolutely. But our focus today, our focus today though, you know, uh, when we did a podcast last week, it was on the power of positive thinking in general. And this one, the whole podcast today will be on the power of positive thinking and self-talk within ourselves, to ourselves, about ourselves, 20 ways that we can improve our uh, thinking about ourselves and our self-talk within ourselves. So uh, not just positive thinking that helps other people, but we need to help ourselves so that we can help other people. Very true. And that's something that I'm, I didn't get to until my, Oh gosh, middle forties was like, I really don't talk to myself very nicely at all. And it's taken years to 
even notice what I say and stop it immediately and then change it. So it's yeah. a long and I really, journey. I really think, and I really think a lot of people in our listening family will be shocked at what they discover in the next uh, hour mm-hmm. of their own self-talk. I think they'll be shocked. I think a lot of people think it's not as bad as it is. But we're going to show you how bad it is and how you can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, Paul, you start. Number one. Okay, 20 points. We'll see how many we can cover. We never you know, cover all of them, but then we finish the rest later. So anyway, throughout every single day, uh, we don't really realize how many hundreds of times we have flashing subconscious or unconscious thoughts about ourselves or self-talk within ourselves. Um, only sometimes are we aware of it. Um, and subconscious means if you really focus and concentrate, then you, oh, yeah, I did just think that. But unconscious means you don't even know you're thinking it. We have probably thousands of unconscious thoughts uh, every day, and a lot of them are negative toward ourselves, and we don't even ever see them. They're just, you know, they're, they're unless they, unless we get a lot of therapy and they come up. But the more perfectionistic we are, the more negative our self-talk is in most cases. Uh, so in perfectionism can come from a lot of different sources, but uh, uh, one of them is being the oldest child of the same sex uh, as a demanding and pr- projecting parent. Um, for example, 15 of the first 16 American astronauts were firstborn sons. That's Ooh. not a coincidence. You know, yeah. they had to be perfectionists to make it to the moon bat. And it's a good right. thing they were. But right. uh, when, when, when we don't have, uh, we all have, we all have faults inside of ourselves. <clears throat> and when we don't see them in ourselves, we tend to get mad at people that remind us of the faults that we don't want to see in ourselves. And so, um, uh, uh, the, uh, like as a man, when I have a bunch of kids, which I did, then, uh, I tend to, uh, the natural tendency is for a, a father to, to pick on the oldest son the most without even consciously being aware of why. And mm. most moms will be a little bit more picky with the oldest daughter, just cause she's the one that walks like her and talks like her and develops her characteristics. So if uh, mom's a little sassy, the daughter might be a little sassy too. And, uh, but the daughter, even if the daughter's is a lot milder, the mom won't notice her own, but will get mad at the daughter for reminding her of herself. So that's one that's one way that people become perfectionistic. Uh, but we'll right. talk some more. Did, did you want to say something about the uh, firstborn syndrome? or? Well, firstborn syndrome, I look at that too. I'm an only child. So I've got only child yeah, syndrome with firstborn syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> You're either super spoiled. Everything. <laughs> exactly. You're either super spoiled and as a new only child or you're, you know, you're, you're totally not. And I was in the totally not category, although my grandma um, definitely uh-huh. spoiled me. But well, in terms of, yeah, yeah, she was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I get it. I get it as the only child. <laughs> yeah. Then point two is real similar that, um, uh, we, that also happens with us with uh, like children getting mad at their parents because the parents reminding of themselves and, and uh, we get, we're going to get most uh, ticked off at coworkers that remind us of ourselves and friends that remind us of ourselves in a marriage. You may have 20 faults and your mate may have 20 faults, but the only ones that'll bother you are the four that you have in common. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a guy in medical school, there's a guy in medical school who I couldn't stand to be around and, and then I learned about projection. This is called projection in psychiatry. And I learned about it. And so I made a list of the things I didn't like about him. And I looked at it and I said, Meyer, you idiot. You're looking in a mirror. 
So I went and had a talk with this guy and showed him the list. And he said, well, I haven't liked you for the same reasons. But we, <laughs> we, you know, but we had a friendly talk and looked at it and we both laughed about it and we became friends. And uh, in psychiatry, it's called um, projection, like a slide projector, uh, projecting our flaws onto other people. And uh, in the Bible, 2,000 years ago, Matthew wrote in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, he described projection to a T. He said, often we see the toothpick in our brother's eye, uses the word moat, but we see the toothpick in our brother's eye, but we don't see the log in our, in our own eye. Our own, oh, yeah. Projection, yeah. So how was it, you know, as you two that, you know, had your talk, you and this colleague of yours that became a friend, how was it later in your relationship? I mean, because just because you had the talk doesn't mean that those things that you saw in each other that are in yourself, the mirror wasn't true. So how was it in the friendship later having that out on the table? Having that out on the table helped us both be more humble and Mm -hmm. uh, not reject the other one for reminding us of ourselves. And it helped us gain more insight. And uh, before that, talk i mean i wouldn't even eat at the same table with him and he wouldn't eat at the same table with me and, and we weren't real obvious about it but but um and we weren't, we, weren't mean to each each other. Other. we just avoided each other yeah but after yeah. it we shared we shared a tiny little office um uh we were in med school and we shared a tiny little office together for uh several months in a row we got along just great because once you talk it out same way if you talk it out with your if there's somebody you're doing that to uh, especially your mate or one of your kids or something like that, or a friend, if you talk it out with somebody reasonable and, uh, and, and you say, Hey, I'm really sorry. I've been, I've been really mad at you for uh, this or that or the other thing. And I realized that it's just because uh, deep down I was mad at myself for that. That I, I think when you have a discussion like that with somebody, then uh, it just draws you both closer together. If you're both mature. I I agree. Yeah, I agree. I'm so I was saying that to um, someone today, one of my friends, Christine Louis de Cannonville, she's a um, psychotherapist in Ireland, and we were emailing back and forth today a lot. And uh, I said, you know, I'm enjoying some of the things I'm seeing in myself that aren't so hot that I, you know, see in other, and I've seen in other people. And uh, maybe a few years ago, I really would not have been able to even type the sentence. I'm enjoying seeing this. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's growth. Grow. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then, okay. And then number three is that uh, sometimes perfectionism and negative self-talk can be genetic. You can inherit it. And that, you know, that may surprise people, but um, we eat uh, tryptophan in our diets. Like bananas are real high in tryptophan they make you happy. Chocolate actually has tryptophan in it. That's why chocolate makes me happy. So, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, we eat tryptophan and, and our brain turns it into serotonin, which gives us love, joy, peace, patience, and good sleep. And, uh, and then uh, we have re- reuptake sites that suck up the old serotonin to replace it with the new. And for 80% of people, that's nice. It's balanced. But for some people, it's the, the reuptake sites suck up too much serotonin. And when it gets low, then you tend to wake up in the middle of the night more often and you, you tend to um, you get more depressed more easily and you get real negative. You get more perfectionistic. You may even develop mm-hmm. OCD, you know, where you uh, have to check the doors four times a night or do everything in twos or um, have songs that won't leave your head for long periods of time and things like that. But you, you become, you have developed negative self-talk 
and uh, become real self-critical and thank you committed the unpardonable sin and things like that. And, um, and uh, when you get on uh, medications, then that corrects it. And I've got a, a case study. I'm not going to yeah. share the one that I wrote down on there because I've shared that one about 16 times, you know, so it's a good one, but I found a different one. <laughs> okay. So this is somebody, this is somebody that I treated last year. I went through and crossed out her name and anything that would identify, might identify her. But anyway, this is a, a young, um, young lady, a professional uh, in her twenties um, who's had lifelong inherited uh, perfectionism and OCD and lots of anxiety that goes with it. She's had scrupulosity, mostly religious. She feels like she committed the unpardonable sin. Um, uh, and she wonders, she obsesses about whether she's living good enough for God, uh, whether uh, she uh, doubts uh, that she's going to go to heaven. She obsesses daily about these things. She has mm -hmm. other compulsions. Uh, like to, she argues with herself about her own thoughts. And she says a prayer over and over again in a certain way and has to repeat it over and over again. Um, she denies being suicidal. Um, and a lot of times people like this are. And uh, her anxiety is mostly because of the OCD. She has panic attacks about once or twice a week and severe ones about once a month. Um, but at times they come more often. Um, she likes her job so that there's no stress at work. It's just this genetic stuff. And um, her psych she, she had a psychiatrist before she came to see me. And he put her on some meds that would have taken care of it, but he didn't know that in order to get rid of OCD and this kind of perfectionism, you need double the normal dose. And so he put her on just a low dose of the right things and it didn't work. So she came to me and I increased the dose. And um, um, and then here's, here's so I saw her, um, I'm not going to say what month, but I saw her sometime last year. And then uh, here, here she is three weeks later. Okay, after I put her on, I put her on a, dopamine, a little bit of a dopamine medicine and uh, mostly a serotonin medicine. And the reason it only took three weeks is because she was already on a little bit and I just had to run up the dose on You had to bump it up, uh, here, yeah. Here's, so here's three weeks later, three weeks later. Uh, and here's what I typed out as I was talking to her and taking notes. She's had lifelong OCD with obsessions and compulsions and one or two panic attacks a week for years. No serious depressions, but often sad. I started her on, uh, 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 Pro, I, well, I went up on Prozac and added a little bit of Abilify. Prozac's been around forever. You know, that's right. probably a third of the nation's tried that sometime or another, but, but uh, she's never been on adequate doses. So I, I uh, went up on it. And uh, after only three weeks of climbing up on her dose, she's already as happy as her friends today. Uh, mm -hmm. She says, I'm as happy as my friends. She's much less anxious, but still more anxious than her friends you know, because she needed a while longer to get rid of that. Uh, she was a lot less obsessive. And when the obsessions do come, she doesn't get stuck on them anymore. Uh, she has almost none while she's working. Uh, but the obsessions are still there sometimes when she's tired, but they're much improved. No panic attacks at all after the first week. Uh, she has fewer compulsions. Like uh, she doesn't have to repeat the prayer anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so on, that, on this day, three weeks Later, I increased her Prozac, um, and she was only on uh, 40. Her doctor had her on 20. I, I put her up to 40, which is it usually takes 60 to 80. So I put her up to 60, and then a few weeks later, you know, th this was all gone. She was just doing great. But this was just after mm -hmm. three weeks that she she was this much better. Um, and 
you know, I could read more, but that's, you get the picture. That, yeah. Uh, this, this kind of negative self-talk, you can go through your life uh, bad-mouthing yourself and, and doing all that um, because it's inherited and the serotonin doesn't really get rid of that. Most people do it because they grew up, they either, there could be other reasons too, I'm sure, you know, like abuse and things like that, but right. most people do it because they had a parent that uh, kept telling them that whatever they did, it wasn't quite good enough. And, and so they, they put that parental brain in, inside themselves. And um, so um, it's like having a, a terrorist in your brain, you know, just yes. beating you up. That's exactly what it is. I've I watched my mother for years, and I don't, you know, she probably still does it today. Uh, just not able to ever sit by herself. Always has to be doing, 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 moving, 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 and with another person, uh, to and doing a lot of stuff for that other person because she, when she sits at home by herself, she can't turn off that negative, you know, self-talk and um, just be in agony over it. So when you say terrorist in your head, absolutely. And I, I've had my years of, in different times of doing that too. Um, medication yeah, me too. absolutely helps, but so does uh, you, I mean, I don't, for me, it, it has to come with some cognitive behavioral therapy too, so that right. I learn how to catch it and stop it. Yeah. And change and now therapy. change the thought. Yeah. It takes therapy or or listening to this podcast, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wait a minute. We are gonna give you as we get through these, we are gonna give you lots of uh little clues and ways to to get you know, right now we're mostly describing what the problem is, but we're gonna give you some good solutions too. But uh one thing I asked a patient earlier uh uh or last week, um this patient you know, is constantly beating uh, himself up and, and uh, because uh, he could never get his mom's approval. And then he got real depressed when she died. And uh, if, if you're real close to your mom or dad and they die, that hurts, you know, that's sad enough. But if you were never close to them and they always criticize you and they die, that's even harder to take than if you're close to them because uh, you, you have this fantasy that someday they're going to change and come through mm -hmm. and approve it. And so I, I, I asked him, I said, do you need my mother's approval? He said, no. I said, well, do I need your mother's approval? He said, no. I said, well, then do you need your mother's approval? He said, well, he, he starts to say, yeah. And they said, well, you know what? I guess not. I said, no, she's your, she's your egg donor. You know, there's 8 billion people out there. And your mom's just one of them. And you really don't need her approval. You do need to love and be loved by people that accept you the way you are. But uh, the Bible says in Psalms that God takes the lonely and places them in family. So you need to find people that become your mother and father and brother and sister. Right. You don't need the one you're related to. Very true. So number four, we, we, we did talk about this last week. Yeah. Learning and growing more from failures than we even, you know, or ever can from successes, even though successes are more fun. So we we totally covered that one last time and right. it's hands down true number five getting life in perspective what do you what do you say about that one paul okay i had a car accident on november 15th 1989 that's why i remember the date of it and, and uh i was driving uh, uh down um uh, a road going about 45 and and uh i was listening to um 
Psalm 66, and I never, I, I just couldn't figure out what it meant. And I was thinking about it instead of thinking about my driving. And it, it said, men are flying over my head, but God will deliver me from the fire and from the water. And I thought, what in the heck? Mm. David and I turned left right in the path of an oncoming car, and we had a head-on collision, each going about 40, 45. And my car flipped up in the air and spun around in the air and landed on its roof, on the wow. roof. And my car was totaled, and her car was totaled, but nobody got scratched. And uh, um, and uh, uh, ambulance uh, came and went because there was nobody to carry off. And the cop <laughs> arrived as the ambulance was going, and I was standing next to my car with my suit on. And he said, uh, "Did the ambulance take away the body?" And and I said, "No, I am the body," because <laughs> he thought whoever was in that must be dead. You know. Wow. I mean, like I say, it was smashed like an accordion, you know, and, uh, um, and, uh, um, so that night I woke up with a, with a dream and, uh, and, uh, Jesus was in the dream. I have these God dreams, you know, about two or three times a year. That was mm -hmm. one of them. And, uh, and he said, Paul, get up and listen to the rest of that tape till, till you get to a verse that hits you between the eyes. <laughs> Those were the <laughs> words, you know? And so I, so I got up and got that cassette. That was back when we had cassettes. Got the cassette tape and left, went to the other room so I wouldn't wake my wife up and listen to it. And, and nothing hit me between the eyes. And I went on and on and on. And I thought, Lord, please you know, help me to find it. Hurry this up. <laughs> <laughs> and so it took me all the way to Psalm 90, 90, 12. says, teach us to number our days that we may walk wisely on the earth. And, uh, and, and that hit me between the eyes. You know, I need to. Uh, number of my days, remember each, you know, and, and so I decided I'm going to pretend like I died in that car accident on yeah. November 15th, 1989, I died. And so now every day that I live after that is a bonus. And uh, I developed a little prayer that I was going to pray from then on. And I remember, you know, uh, lots of days since then. I, I, I was, my intention was to do it every day and I still do it often, but the, to pray, um, uh, and that helps me get things in perspective as far as my self-talk. And uh, the prayer is, Lord, help me to become more like you today. In other words, help me to learn to love and be loved and you know, love people better like you do. And uh, help me to serve you today. Help me to uh, help people. And I love my job because at the end of the day, I go home feeling really good that I've helped people. And uh, help me to uh, stay out of trouble today and uh, not sin too much because, uh, you know, I'm still human and I have sinful thoughts and sometimes selfish behaviors and will help me to uh, avoid uh, sin and avoid hurting people. And uh, the fourth one uh, is, is real important for self-talk. Lord, help me to learn from the things that go wrong in my life today. If I have disappointments, setbacks, find out I got a disease, you know, I, I get a financial hit or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever goes wrong today, help me to learn from it. And so I expect some things to go wrong. Now, that doesn't sound like positive thinking, but it is. I, I, I expect some things to go wrong. And any day that goes by and nothing goes wrong is a bonus, you know. Right. But now when, when something do, does go wrong, uh, uh, like if I have a flat tire, instead of getting real upset about it, I think, well, thank you, Lord. I, I mean, I may get upset initially, but I, but pretty quick I, I say, thank you, Lord, for the flat tire, because that reminds me that I'm not so special that I deserve to not get them, maybe <laughs> though, even though everybody else does. So. And it, and, it, and it, you know, reminds me of this, reminds me of that. And, and this is going to help me to grow more than if I didn't have a flat tire. So, so I, I can actually be thankful when, when uh, things uh, do go wrong and look at it in that positive light. And uh, I, uh, the next day I, I talked to my mother-in-law, who's a real godly gal. 
and uh um and uh i told her i had a car accident she says oh i'm sure glad and she didn't know about it and i said i had a car accident last night or yes yeah last night and she said well i'm glad you're safe she said i've been praying for you every night that you wouldn't get her in a car accident and i said what oh my gosh i've been praying every night that you wouldn't get her in a car accident i said why in the heck would you pray that prayer and she told me she had been reading psalm 9012 a week before oh and about teach us to number our days and she said and that verse really stuck in her mind and i didn't tell her i had come on that verse and she said that night she had a dream that one of her kids including her kids plus the you know in-laws one of her kids was going to have a bad car accident and so she's been praying every day for her um four kids and their mate that they wouldn't have a bad car accident and uh then i told her about my my own dream now that, you know that gives me the shivers you know right that can't that can't be a coincidence you know, there's a no no I know for me, what was interesting and what I love is, you know, obviously I love what I do and who I get to talk to. And I got to have, I get to have uh, two 45 minute shows with Dr. Lisa Day from your Seattle um, Meyer clinics. And she's just, she's become a friend and just, she's a tremendous person. She does the Meyer clinics podcast and we were talking about this on Friday. We had a we had a really great talk about perspective and being able to look at yourself and how many times we are, you know, when we want to avoid maybe even what we're doing that isn't so hot, how we will project, get defensive, get haughty, all of those things. And uh, it sometimes it takes like that financial disaster or the job that you don't have anymore or the whatever to get life back in perspective or the car accident. So we, it's interesting that we were just talking about that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I, I don't always need to be socked between the eyes. Sometimes I'd like to have peaceful awakenings too. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we can either learn the hard way or the easy way. I said, Lord, as much as possible, I'd like to learn the easy way. Exactly. Know? I had to but actually people, say that out loud yeah, to like welcome it yeah. in because I was I, so used yeah, to like, it has to be hard. It has to be hard. And then I, a couple of years ago, I finally was like, no, I accept. Well, not even that long ago. I accept lessons, these really important lessons in peaceful and loving ways. And then it like immediately they still come in, but they're not that others don't come hard too, but it's more and more and more they are peaceful and loving, still hard, but not sock you between the eyes kind of stuff. Yeah. And I want people to know positive thinking doesn't mean you get up in the morning and say, This is going to be a wonderful, perfect day and nothing's going to go wrong. Right. That's, that's not, not positive it at all. thinking. No, that's, that's called delusional you know? thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said another word, but I didn't, you know, but uh, it's baloney. And, uh, um, and when you, um, it, when you get up in the morning, it's good to think, well, it's going to be a good day because it, it will be a good day and some things may go wrong, but if they do, then, then I'll just, uh, see what I can learn from it. But, uh, if you expect everything to go right, you're, you're going to be a really disappointed, depressed, negative thinking person. And so, uh, if you expect things to go wrong and nothing goes wrong, then that's a bonus. Right. If you're expecting some things to go wrong and some things do. You're not surprised or, or hugely, you know, you, you're, you may be disappointed, but you're not as hugely disappointed as you would be if you expected everything to go right. 
Absolutely. So now we're at number six. What is a righteous okay. person? Okay. Uh, a lot of people feel unrighteous because they focus on their failures. And um, and uh, and some good verses from the Bible. I don't. I don't. You know, want to get too. Uh, I hope I don't offend people that are not Christians because these are principles that apply to everybody. You know, whether whether you believe the Bible or not. But um, King Solomon wrote um, three thousand years ago that um, that if you if you're trying something like you're trying to get over a habit or if you're an alcoholic or whatever. And uh, if you fail seven times in a row, but you get back up each time and keep trying, that's a, you're a righteous dude. <laughs> you know, you're a righteous man. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not a wicked, horrible failure. You're a righteous person because you, you still are working on it. But James said in the New Testament that we all fail in, in many ways. You know, we all have failures. We have personal setbacks. We all sin sometimes. We all have failures sometimes. And, uh, and it's not like we go through life purposely failing, but when we do, instead of beating ourselves up, uh, we need to say, okay, what can I learn from that? There's, right. two, three, two, there's two things, Kristen, that drive addictions and that's mm -hmm. shame and lack of connectedness. So right. if we want to get over an addiction, the best thing to do, we need to be connected to somebody we can share our feelings with, but we need to not beat ourselves up. Cause if, if somebody's, uh, been an alcoholic, if I, if I see somebody as a patient, they've been an alcoholic for a long time and they've gone like two straight years without drinking. And then over the weekend, they, they drink, you know, a couple bottles of wine and, uh, and then they don't again and they feel horrible about it. They, they might even feel suicidal about it. They come in and say, I'm a total failure. And I say, well, let's, let's talk about this a minute. So for the last 700 and some days you drank one day, right? Yeah. Well, is that, I, I said, I think that's pretty good. You know, one on 700 is not bad. Right. <laughs> so I never thought of it that way, you know, <laughs> instead of beating themselves up, you know, they need to compliment themselves for only failing one day out of 700. And uh, so a righteous mm -hmm. person is somebody who's good, virtuous, upright, upstanding, decent, worthy. Yeah, but, you know, God says we're worthy even if we, uh, even if we fail, we're worthy. And uh, again, one more Bible verses, the apostle Paul said, sometimes I don't do what I should. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't, but there's no condemnation. There's no shame. What can I learn from it? That's a great attitude. Yeah. Don't beat oh, man. For failures, but learn from your failures. I had that all, all weekend. Like, okay, here's some new stuff to take to therapy and uh, talk about and new discoveries. And I'm not going to beat myself up about them because uh, I'm glad that I, they're not in my unconscious anymore or my, you know, all right, they were so buried in my subconscious that I can see them, but I'm sure not going to look at them yet. No, they're right there. <laughs> and yeah. I can go to my therapist and go, you know, this thing you've been we, wanting to work on with me for a while. Let's get yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah. And we actually worked on, we actually went over number seven at the same time because they fit together. So we're on eight, really. Okay. And um, you wrote, this is an extremely important fact. So really what is important. it, Paul? <laughs> okay, here's a really important fact to think about. I don't know. Uh, it, those of you who are young may not have ever heard of Scott Peck. But he's a famous psychiatrist who wrote the number one best-selling book back in 1978. So <laughs> I bet yeah, there's a lot of people still... in our family that weren't even born yet. Right. And, but uh, but 1978, the best-selling book is a book called The Road Less Traveled. 
and uh and the book is awesome you know on on uh uh you know learning to accept life and, and like yourself and self-talk and all those things and uh, it, it's a big thick book and if you opened up the, if you bought the book and opened it up and read the first sentence you don't really need to re- read the rest of the book the first sentence is three words long and if you if you think about that those first three words you've got the gist of the book and the first three words are life is difficult <laughs> and so expect life to be difficult it's not going to be easy it's going to be difficult and uh, uh it doesn't mean impossible but it's going to be difficult there's going to be tough times and uh and we learn from those tough times so living here on earth is uh wonderful sometimes and it's horrible sometimes and right. uh loving uh relationships are awesome but everyone we love is going to die someday and we're all going to die someday that's part of reality that's not negative thinking that's just looking at reality um we're going to uh, experience occasional disappointments and rejections and personal failures. And, um, and uh, uh, you and I, Kristen, do these mental health news podcasts in order to help our listening family to right. learn the very best things that they can do to experience the most happiness and peace and meaning that they can possibly have in life and to protect themselves from narcissists and other painful people that would rob us of those things. And, uh, uh, and, so if you think life is tough and, and, uh, and because it's tough, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have some struggles, but then imagine how much more painful life would be. So life is tough, but imagine right. how much more tough it would be if you had a terrorist. We started talking about that earlier, living in your brain that a hundred times, 200 times a day, put you down and told you you were stupid, told you you were a failure, told you you were evil, that you're not good enough. And, uh, and the people that we talked about earlier who grew up with a parent that always put them down. And so now, even though the parent might be dead or you're not living with that parent anymore, you got that parent in your brain and you still keep putting yourself down. Um, or if you inherited a, a low serotonin level and you keep putting yourself down and you're making life twice as hard as it needs to be. And uh, so uh, what one thing, that we encourage people, here's something that I want you to do. And we might be, you know, combining a couple other points later on into this one, but uh, we encourage people to do frequently, uh, Kristen, on this program is, and and those of you in our listening family, please do this. Uh, Either right now, if you have pencil and paper nearby, or as soon as we get done with the podcast, um, uh, get the the back page of your uh, Bible or a page in your journal, someplace that you can go back and refer to in the future that, that, that you won't lose. And write a note to yourself and say, dear self, you know, <laughs> put, you put your own name down there, dear me, uh, and put today's date down and say, dear me, I promise from today, today forward to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm going to be my own best friend and I'm going to make an effort and we, we fail at everything we do. So you won't be perfect at it, but I'm going to make an effort not to say anything negative to myself that I wouldn't tell my best friend under the same circumstances. And the reason we do that, and that, that alone, that one trick there improves the quality of life for a lot of people, including myself. I did that when I was 30. That that can improve the quality of your self-talk by 50%. All really? by Because uh, if we go through life beating ourselves up, like you leave your lights on in the car and the battery's dead, and you call yourself, oh, you stupid idiot. Right. But if, but, but, but if your best friend did that, you wouldn't say to your best friend, you stupid idiot. 
you'd say, hey, don't, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Don't feel bad. You know, we can call AAA or, or something, you know, or, or jumper cables. My neighbor's got jumper cables and, and you do something about it. And so you tell your neighbor the truth, but you tell yourself a lie. But why, if life is difficult, why go through life making it twice as hard by telling right. yourself lies? I mean, you're too smart, aren't you? To, to uh, Those of you in our family right now, aren't you too smart to go through life making your life twice as miserable by telling yourself lies? It doesn't right. make any sense, does it? Right, exactly. So you got to kick that mother or that father or whoever it is that's, that, that you got used to beating you up. Uh, you got to kick that person out of your brain and quit doing that. And one way to quit doing that is by making that pledge. Okay, whenever you say something negative, stop and think, okay, what would I tell my best friend? Now, right. if your best friend does something really stupid, you might say that was a stupid thing to do, but I love you. you know? <laughs> but it's okay. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I think about that when I think about like all the ways that we um, we tell a story. I'm, you know, guilty of this too, of, you know, it's somebody else's fault that I'm financially strapped or that I'm got fired again or that I da 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 whatever it is, you know, we we put that out on somebody else and that can be living in La La Land, you know, making everything everybody else's fault and not looking at, okay, well how can I be responsible for this? But I think what's hard when you're really struggling with depression and, you know, any kind of a mental illnesses, you already just live with that terrorist in your head and that terrorist can certainly be one of your parents or whoever, but it also is depression. And so it's really hard to do this flipping it around and be a friend. And that's why we talk about things like medication that not everybody needs it. So we've, we've never said that it's just some people do. I know I do makes it easier for me. I can actually turn off that negativity without it. I can't like I physically I don't care how many things I would write on a piece of paper. I physically can't turn it off without medication with medication. I can turn it off, but I know how to turn it off and how to notice that it needs to be turned off because of the therapy. Yeah. And and I take medication too, for genetic things that I uh, have inherited and, um, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, And I don't want people to get the wrong impression medication doesn't make you falsely happy it no, doesn't gosh, make you no. falsely anything you it, still it gotta do the to work on. <laughs> yeah it just helps your your brain chemistry to be its normal level so what you're like on a medicine if you need one is the real you that's the real you the one that's beating yourself up all the time because of genetic is not the real you but this one's the real you the one that's beating yourself up because you learned to do that uh that's not the real you either but it's you with that bad habit and 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 you're right Kristen. i'm glad you brought that up when you're depressed, uh, like if I injected uh, you and I, Kristen, with uh, something that depleted our serotonin rapidly, you know, within an hour, we might be suicidal. We right. would think, oh, this is horrible pain and it's never going to go away. It's right. never going to get better. You know, we see a thousand people a, a day at our clinics, nationwide, the Meyer clinics, and half of them for depression, and, and they all get better if they work on it. And, and But when you're depressed, you know, I tell people that and they just don't believe me, you know, until a month later when they are. But they, uh, you know, the, it, when you're depressed, the chemicals, the low serotonin makes you think it's never going to go away. You just right. think negative. You're in this prison forever. Now, I, I want to. Number nine. That's something you specialize in. 
Yeah, I loved this one. So, and I loved what you wrote. So I love that I get to read it. I'm quoting Paul here, everybody. Yeah, and you describe it. it. I learned a lot of this from you. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Okay, as much as possible, find positive people to hang out with, to marry if you want, or if you're, I'm sorry, to marry if you're single and want to get married, to go to church with and to select what church or synagogue to go to, and if possible, to work with. And then in quotes, Paul writes, it is easier to soar like the eagles if you are not working with a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that is You've so... shared with us lots of times. You've yeah. shared with us lots of times on the podcast about how you, you know, used to allow negative people to get you oh down. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You off and business and stuff. And, and, yep. and I think you're really good at, uh, uh, at avoiding, uh, I, I think you just do an outstanding job of avoiding uh, people like that now. And, and uh, Yeah, it took work. Let me tell you, I, I read this quote over the weekend and I, I don't want to butcher it. Um, it says, I've come to a wonderful place in my life where I just avoid arguments. And I'm not saying, you know, that you avoid every argument, but just a lot of them you can avoid. Like you just can. That doesn't make you a doormat it doesn't make you you know any of those things especially if you know that you're someone that'll stand up for yourself once you get to that place where you know that you've got your own back and you are your best friend and you will stand up for yourself it's a lot easier to then realize I don't need to win every argument so the quote was I don't need to win every argument if somebody wants to believe that one plus one equals five enjoy I love that. <laughs> and I thought Enjoy. I read it this weekend. Yeah. It, yeah. it hit perfect this yeah. weekend, and I was like, "I just don't." I, you know, maybe my ego might be tweaked a little bit over something someone might say, but then I'm like, "Well, you know, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I." If that's what you just said. One plus one equals five, and I'm not going to argue with you. So, let there goes the end of the argument. Yeah, here's something that I do sometimes that I think that I get my patients to do too. So in our listening family, think about this. Next time you're in an argument with somebody, especially if it's somebody that you love and you're close to, um, but even if even if it's not, if next time you start, somebody's trying to start you, you're trying to get you in an argument, what I do is I'll, I'll pause long enough to think, I'll imagine that I'm leaving my body. Now, this may sound crazy and sound stupid, but and maybe it is too, you know, but, but I imagine that I'm leaving my body and I'm walking outside uh, I, I mean, I'm walking outside of my body and I'm maybe four or five feet away and I'm looking at me and the other person getting, getting ready to have an argument and oh, I'm pondering yeah. it and analyzing it. And I'm thinking, hmm, look at what's going on. This is happening and that's happening. Uh, what should I encourage my good friend Paul to do in this situation? And then I step back in and, and that's what I do. As if you just react, your emotions are going to get the best right. of you and you're going to get mad lash out say something mean yeah Yeah, if you stop and analyze it okay you know let's see what's going on right now and you might even feel sorry for the other person you might think oh you know they really had a hard day and they're you know they're they're in trouble right now yeah and they're taking it out yeah exactly yeah absolutely well i think there's a level of intimacy there's a level of intimacy too that that we're comfortable with Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, like my wife and I really love each other. And uh, but there's times when uh, when we may get 
we where we get so close emotionally that that one or the other might feel uncomfortable with that level of intimacy, not consciously, unconsciously. And we might find ourselves, I might find myself being a little sarcastic and making a, a joke, but when right. that, that hurts your feelings. And here, I, I didn't mean to hurt her feelings, but unconsciously, I probably did to back her off a little bit so I feel more comfortable. Right. And, uh, uh, and so we do stuff like that. So sometimes when an argument's developing, it's, it's just the person loves you so much that they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about getting so close and they're trying to back you back off. And if you become aware of that, if you step outside your body and analyze that and become aware of it and you get back in and say, hey, I think we're doing it. I think we're backing ourselves off today. Then you can actually, when you talk about it and you're open and honest, you can actually get closer than you ever were before because you're <laughs> yes. becoming aware of what you were doing unconsciously. And it's, it totally, no, it totally makes sense. It made me think of um, this weekend. I, I asked my best friend, my ex-husband, I, I asked him, because uh, he he now is um, financially independent of me, and that feels so good for him. And I and I'm watching his self esteem just rise from this, and it's wonderful just to see just to see this in him. And I was so focused on how great this is for him that I didn't think about, oh, well, this is great for me too. <laughs> Later in the week, I was like, man, I feel this huge weight off my shoulders. What is that from? And he goes, duh, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to, you know. He's and one of your best friends, isn't he? Yes, he is. And then I, this that's, is what I did though. I don't, really, I that's it. really unusual. That's very unusual to have a, yes. an ex-husband yes. be your best friend, you know? Yes. That's and cool. it, it was funny this week because I had, so yeah, I mean, somewhat of a rough um, week last week. Nothing flattening and horrible, but, you know, definitely some challenges. And I got through them. Yay. But uh, I I called him and I, I didn't say it in a needy way or a, you know, victim way or anything like that. I just said, hey, I was just thinking about this because I was feeling very, very vulnerable, just like what you were talking about, Paul. You know, when we when we get it. You know, we reach that new level of closeness with someone and then you got to do something to sort of shake it off. So I called him and I said, hey, now that you're, you know, you don't need me financially anymore. Are you still going to be my best friend? <laughs> it just, this is how honest we are, you know, with each other. Like we literally, you know, yeah. He didn't even get mad or get upset or cause we've, cause we have reached that next level. Like he would have gotten defensive if I would have asked that a year ago, but we've gotten to a whole other place. He goes, no, of course not. I'm just going to work harder to help you and help the network and you know, blah, 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 blah. Of course not, honey. He didn't shame me. He didn't get defensive. He just said, of course not. Cause he knows me well enough to know when I'm being very vulnerable and insecure. And I know well enough now that he'll just give me an honest answer, even if I don't particularly like it, but he'll do it in a loving way that I can hear it. And I trust him that when he says, of course not, that he absolutely means it. That's cool. So, That's cool. <laughs> okay. So I like 10 and 11 together. Okay. One of them. Yeah. in the next, the next batch really, uh, I can cover about, most of the rest in the next couple minutes because they, they're really pretty simple. So number 10 is take care of yourself positively by not abusing alcohol and drugs. Because when you do, you're damaging your brain 
Uh, and one part of the brain that dies first is the amygdala, the seat of your conscience. Mm. So the more you drink and kill your brain, the more selfish you become. And, uh, and, uh, more selfish you become, the less you like yourself and, and the less other people like you too. <laughs> right. And so, uh, 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 substance abuse harms your body and your performance and your ability to see the truth. And then, uh, the next one, number 11 is take care of yourself positively by getting enough sleep. You build up your happy and peaceful brain chemicals like serotonin and norepinephrine and dopamine and GABA at night while you're sleeping. So you're building your happy chemicals while you're sleeping at night. So this ticks off some people because they think they don't need to sleep, but you need to go to sleep early enough so that you wake up naturally before the alarm clock goes off. And it's really nice to have something exciting that you look forward to doing when you wake up. So, and I want to just call, you know, say this about the substance abuse part. So with me, it's like my favorite substance is wine. (laughs) And I know that when I have wine, I'm going to, and I have too much of it. Like if I go out with friends or whatever, that I'm going to have riddle, I'm going to be riddled with anxiety and paranoia and all kinds of stuff the next day. And I have to talk myself through that. And thank goodness I know how to do it by saying, you know, you're having this anxiety because you overdid it. Right. And, you know, and, and then it makes me think like, I thought about this and I actually talked to someone about this last week, Paul, where you've said and shows how much it destroys the brain. And then I saw this uh, um, brain of someone who drank and we're talking, you know, from nine in the morning until 10 at night, you know, for a long time and their brain right as they, the first day they stopped drinking and then their brain 12 weeks later, and then their brain a couple years later, staying off of, any kind of a substance. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, having that visual made me go, okay, so not doing it is, um, is actually, I'm going to, I'm helping my brain heal. I guess I needed that visual to, to see it. Since I'm a visual person. It was great. Yeah. Part of it heals and part of it's dead, you know? So when you, uh, I encourage people to go to Amen Clinic, A-M-E-N, amenclinic.com. And uh, he's he does spec scans of the brain. So he measures the blood flow through the brain, and he'll show you the brain of somebody that uh, smokes too much, smokes pot uh, all the time, yes. drinks too much, uh, cocaine, amphetamines, uh, and it'll show what the brains look like. And there's holes in the brain, some that are permanent, some that uh, heal back up. You just don't want to destroy your brain. If you had... One, you know, there's research that shows if you had one glass of wine a night, you'd, uh, you'd probably live longer and you'd, it wouldn't hurt you at all. You know, uh, Jesus' first miracle was changing water to wine. It wasn't grape juice, you know, like some people say, because, right. you know, lots of times people wait, lots of times people wait till, uh, or somebody said, lots of times people wait till they're drunk and then they bring out the, the, um, the bad wine, you know, but you brought the good wine out first. And, um, but anyway, uh, but. Uh, if if you're an alcoholic, then of course you can't drink at all because you can't stop. Right. But, uh, I'll have an occasional glass of wine or a margarita or something like that, and I'm almost 74 and I've never been drunk in my life yet, and I hope yeah. I don't ever get drunk. You know, but I have no desire to lose conscious awareness. You know, but uh, so it's not. We're not saying uh, that you should never uh, drink if you're if you have a glass of wine and you can handle it. But 
but if you can't, then don't drink at all. Okay, and then uh, take care of yourself. So take care of yourself um, uh, by getting enough, uh, uh, by not abusing substances, by getting enough sleep, so you're building up your brain chemicals, and then uh, by exercise, which I'm a total failure. Oh, I hate, and, and listen. Endorphins. Yes, and listen, <laughs> I'll say this to listeners, because I... <laughs> I haven't exercised, and Paul and I joke about this because both of us have this thing, and we both go up and down I'm with our weight. Hypocrite. Yeah, I mean, we both go up and down with our weight. I always have, and whatever. But I, I found a buddy who, because I won't go unless I have a buddy. Like I just, I don't care what that makes me sound like that I'm not as motivated or something as other people. I need a buddy, so I found a buddy. She goes every day, and for the last two weeks, I've gone every single day but one where I needed to take a break because oh, wow. I thought I was going to die <laughs> and I've lost wow. some pounds for sure you can see it in my face and everything and what's so nice about it is at the age that I am now at 49 to do this I don't care about my looks in this it's not about that yeah. it's that it's because I know how good it makes me feel I have less anxiety at night, because that's when I get my worst, when I have historically gotten my worst anxiety is at night. If I work out, even just to go to the gym for 30 minutes and come home, um, I have like 50%, if not more, of a reduction of anxiety than I did, you know, than I would have without it. And I sleep better. And the thing about having something positive to wake up to, I have this great horse and she's thankfully five houses down from me. And I'm so elated to wake up and go visit her in the morning that I can't wait to get out of bed. Instead of years, Paul and listeners, years, I would lay in bed and dread waking up. I would actually make myself stay up later at night because I didn't want to go to sleep and then have to wake up in the morning. And I spent years like this. So for me to actually... It's it's the morning. I'm awake. Get out of yeah. bed. Go see your horse. Is like yeah. unreal yeah. to me. That's like unreal to me. Yeah, and th- and that's that's one I didn't even put in the list is developing a a, a happy lifestyle. Yeah. You know, they, I've asked people to do that before in therapy, and I hadn't thought of that for this list. But I've asked them. I want you to write down what your usual activities are uh, for a day. Like you know, tell me what you do when you first get up and, and go through the day and let's make a list. And when they do that, I, I tell them, you know, if, if anybody had to do it, this list, the way you're doing it, they'd be depressed too. You have a depressing lifestyle, you know? And so, so what, what you just shared reminded me of that, that you need to uh, do some things that are fun and, and uh, yeah. helpful and help others. And, and uh, cause then you have a more exciting uh, lifestyle and exercise does do good. It releases endorphins um, yeah. that that make you happier. Just, and, it makes and, you more comfortable thing, in your body too. Another, another, another thing I didn't list that I should have listed, you know, <laughs> the more we talk, the more I think of, is uh, laughing. Oh um, my! Okay, a, that is my favorite activity ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so do things that are fun and funny, and you know, if you have to pull a prank on somebody, pull a prank on somebody as long as they. You're not doing it in a way that distances them from you. <laughs> but um, there, there's a there's a verse in the Bible that says laughter does good for you like a medicine does. And uh, and I saw a research study that showed how, how much when you laugh, if you watch funny mo- movies or 
you know, funny things and, and you spend time laughing, that actually does you more good than exercise. <laughs> I love I love that result. <laughs> so exercising gives you endorphins, but laughing gives you even more. And so uh, if you're like me and you're too lazy to exercise, exercise at least watch some funny movies. <laughs> I used to actually, and I still do sometimes, and I love it when it happens, but I used to always um, wake myself up because I'd be laughing in a dream. And when it happens now, it's so cool because I will wake my, I'm laughing so hard in the dream and I'm probably really laughing (laughs) out loud, but then I go so loud that I like, (gasps) and I'm awake and I instantly (laughs) want to go back to the dream because it was funny, you know, but but those are bonus nights when I do that. I've had some with, Oh, I'll tell one story. Cause it's, it's funny. I, and this yeah. happened to Michael a hundred times in our relationship, more than a hundred times, but one time we were sleeping and in my, in my dream, I was stomping my feet like, you know, like a soldier down the street. And <laughs> I get there, I had lifted my, my left leg up and or my right leg up and Michael was sleeping on my right side and in the my my leg was straight up in the air it because I was stomping and then I took my leg and I went boom right on top of his shin <laughs> and he goes oh and I realized what I did and I start laughing hysterically and he's like this is not funny. I'm in pain. This is not funny. And I can't <laughs> stop laughing. And he's like, how many times are you going to do this to me? Do I need to sleep on the couch? Cause that was, like I said, one of a hundred, but now what's nice is it wasn't funny to him at the time. And I did control myself and stop laughing. Yeah. He knew. Yeah. He knew. Cause, cause I'd done it before, but later in life, He'll, we'll just remember those things. And our son loves to hear that stuff. Like, tell me the story about how you kicked out in the leg in your sleep. And then the laughter comes because now he's not angry because he's not in pain. And it's a story for later. And we just laugh and laugh and laugh about all that stuff, which is nice when you can do that with your friends and your family and your kids, you know. Yeah, I like to, we like to play, my wife and I like to play cards with each other and with our friends. But we, we play cards with friends that um, in games, you know, skip bowl and other games with our friends that don't, you know, they're not cutthroat and feel like, right. you know, everything is winning. But we laugh when we're playing games and we make mistakes or different things. And, right. you know, we laugh. We get, we, it, it helps you to laugh. And, and uh, laughter does good. It, it does you a lot of good. Another one is uh, another way to take care of yourself is by eating right. And we could do a whole show on nutrition. Uh, and I'm just going to yeah. say that I encourage people to get, there's a book I wrote called Blue Genes uh, that, that tells about, you know, different genes that make you blue and uh, self-critical and all that. But it also, chapter 10 in there tells you what foods produce what chemicals in your brain. So uh, certain foods produce the happy chemicals and some uh, certain foods produce the relaxed chemicals. And there's other foods that pr- that produce the same, seeing things realistically, chemicals and things like that. And they the good sleep chemicals. And, and so if you read that chapter, you can see what foods produce those things. And, and, uh, and you can eat those foods like a banana. And they, they apply. Yeah. Like if you, I eat so much, so many bananas because of you. I don't really like them <laughs> at all, but I shove one down every day because I'm like, yeah. well, one, one a day. One a day. Okay. You know, so, so read that chapter and, uh, and, and it'll show what, 
chemicals actually, I mean, what foods actually build up the uh, brain chemicals that make you happy. And that's one way to take care of yourself um, is to, to do that. And then take care of yourself by positive meditation. Yes, but we have and to stop. We have to stop, Paul, because I have to read. I have to tell everybody what you wrote. Okay. Yeah. Before he moves on to the next one, listeners, this is what he put in the document. Low serotonin <laughs> is like <laughs> it's like rubbing. I'm, dog. That. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like rubbing rubbing dog poop on your glasses and seeing life much more negatively than it really is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I forgot I wrote that. Yeah, when your serotonin gets low, the serotonin is the main chemical that keeps you. Uh, uh, it, ha- it helps you have love, joy, peace, patience, and good sleep. And the in the Bible, the term is the fruit of the spirit. And uh, God uses serotonin to do that. And when your serotonin gets low, you get more self-critical and depressed. Wake up in the middle of the night, can't get back to sleep. And and all of life looks crappier, you know. And and so I, I tell clients that. It's like uh, getting some dog poop out, out of your dog's, you know, backyard and and uh, and rubbing it on your glasses, and then going through a day uh, looking through glasses that have dog poop on them, and everything in life will look poopy, you know. And not to mention, <laughs> and you look in the mirror, and you look in the mirror, <laughs> and it's not that you. And I'm not talking about how you look, you know, that might look poopier too. But but if you look in the mirror, you you, you think yourself, you look at yourself, your soul more yeah. uh, negatively you know you, yeah. you think you're a pile of dog poop you know yourself yes. and and so uh you need to you know take care of yourself so that you see things realistically and not through glasses that are covered with uh, dog poop so <laughs> yes okay. yes and i okay so yeah a lot of these um we've touched well, on what about but- meditation you're you're meditation. The, you're the expert on meditation. Oh, please. I'm There's not no expert. I just go to great places with it. I, I'm a great, uh, it does great things for me quickly. Um, but, you know, meditation is praying and however you want to do it, whatever you believe in or don't believe in, just do some kind of meditation and guided meditation works really well for me. I don't do the sit quiet kind of thing. I can do a guided meditation and then and then be quiet for an extended period of time after, but I've got to be guided there just like with exercise. I need a buddy. I need a buddy for the meditation. <laughs> and yeah. that's okay. That's good. that's good. You need so many buddies. My mom taught me uh, when I was 10 years old, she taught me to memorize uh, Psalm 1 that talked the whole chapters on meditation. And, mm. uh, and, uh, and so I started reading my Bible uh, every day when I was 10. Uh, not because she told me to, but because I chose to because of that chapter she she taught me. And so I, I write Bible verses down uh, and I I write them down. I stick them in my wallet and and then I'll pull them out and I'll meditate on uh, Bible verses. And then uh, then I'll just stop and think about how it applies to me and things like that. Um, so that really helps a lot. And like Absolutely. I've been uh, meditating on one that talks about even in old even in old age. Uh, you'll be um, you'll be used to well here I've got it right here Psalm 92 14 says even in old age because I'm getting old now so you know I don't want to feel useless but even in old age they will still produce fruit they will remain vital and green that's a good memory verse for me and and I meditate on on that uh, just on that thought that even in old age I can be vital I can be green I can be doing uh, mental health news radio with Kristen and Melanie when she's here and 
and and still produce fruit, still help people. Right. And that's pretty cool. I love that. You know, so that's yeah, meditating. That's why I used to to go. I loved Pinterest when it first came out because I would find all these great little things like the one plus one equals five, you know, a couple sentences that are just really funny or positive or whatever. And I would print them out and I'd tape them up all around my desk. And I happened to be working in a really, really, really toxic environment. And now I realize, you know, I, the reason why I had, I even did this, Paul, I even had the wall behind me painted like literally just that wall behind me painted in sky blue. And then I bought chalkboard or not chalkboard drywall paint and I paid someone to paint thought clouds on this blue wall and then I every day I would take a dry erase marker and I would write a positive thought in those thought clouds and I remember remember one of them you know again this was not a healthy environment one of them was like oh she's so full of herself look she has to sit in front of a wall where she's got these great ideas coming out of her head and I was like well that's a really crappy way to look at it I actually put it's not about my ego I put them there and I write them out because I want to and I I was literally combating without realizing it all the toxicity of that environment by printing these things out writing those things in the clouds putting things that was me helping myself and I didn't even know it yeah. Yeah. That's a, a real creative uh, thing to do. And, uh, and then uh, number 15, uh, you've talked about a lot uh, mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah. Uh, take care of yourself by staying away from narcissists and sociopaths. Right. Because they're just going to bring pain into your lives. Yes. And the, yes. And then exactly. uh, um, take care of yourself by listening to mental health news radio. But <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is, that's true. But by learning from our podcasts and other books and, and podcasts and, you know, I like other things. Love is a choice. But, I but, read but that. Learn, learn. Yeah. Yeah. Learn from these helping opportunities, how to take care of yourself. And the book right. Love is a Choice is one book I wrote that I was on Oprah with and, uh, and it sold over a million copies and, and, uh, and it's still selling well. In fact, it's a bestseller in Germany right now for some reason. <laughs> All these years later, years later, and a few months ago, it came out in audio tape in, in German, and I got an email from a German person that is uh, listening to it. It's uh, very weak, but um, I uh, stepped listening to uh, yeah, that one that one tells you how to uh, work on codependency so that you don't go around attracting narcissists. Right, like, right. Like, and then I love seventeen. Take care of yourself by learning about some of your own narcissistic tendencies. And there's a term out there called co-narcissism, which I love. And a lot oh, of people, of yeah, we'll have to do a show on that because it's a whole, it's a new term and it's, um, it's really interesting. And it, it's, it's about that. It's about how you participate in those narcissistic relationships. Um, and because have- they trigger your own narcissism. Yes. Yeah. And we had Lisa Charlebaugh on with us uh, uh, for a podcast, and, and we'll need to have her again because the book, uh, she and I wrote a book together that talks about that. I didn't know the, the term cool narcissism, but the book is called You Might Be a Narcissist If. And uh, I started out, when I first started writing it, it was going to be a joke book, you know, like <laughs> you might be a redneck if. Right. And so you might be a narcissist if. And I said, if you do this in this situation, and if you do that in that situation, I thought of funny things that narcissists do that are really, you know, stupid. But then Lisa wanted me to write a book with her. She's a therapist. And so uh, on narcissism and, 
and how to discover our own and work on our own. And, and so, uh, we took the, the joke part and, and, uh, you know, there's still a few jokes in there, but got a little bit more serious and she added research. And so that was a great we, uh, show. You can go to our website, the Meyer clinic website, um, www.meyerclinics.com. And you can find out how to get that book. You might be a nurse. still on Amazon. It's still there. Uh, yeah. It's, it's on Amazon I mean, too. Yeah. Yeah. But learning about our own narcissistic tendencies can help us Absolutely. have more uh, self-esteem because in, in, in positive self-talk is the more selfish we are, the, the more miserable we are. So and the more loving we are, the more we can have positive self-talk that's realistic. Right. And okay, so let's go to 20 because we've talked about. Yeah. 18, 18 was speaking the truth in love, which we talked about last time. Right. And uh, learning ways to get in touch with your feelings and practice sharing those with other people we talked about already. And then 20 is uh, mature people. Mature people will love you more if you share occasional anger with them. But sociopathic people will hate you for being honest. So, uh, uh, again, King Solomon, I love King Solomon, you know, and uh, uh, he wasn't perfect. You know, he did some things that weren't so perfect, but but uh, he's really wise and 3,000 years ago, he wrote in chapter in Proverbs 9, he said, if you rebuke a wise man, in other words, if you share your anger with a wise person, they'll love you for doing it. And uh, they'll appreciate it and love you for it. And uh, if, if Kristen got mad at me for something and shared it with me, I, I know she would do it lovingly, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the way she is. And I would appreciate it because she wouldn't be doing it to beat me up. She'd be doing it to help me become a, a better person. And not to keep making the same mistake and hurting other people's feelings. And, and, uh, but it says if you rebuke a fool, an immature person, he'll hate you for it. So don't waste your time with him. Right. You know, Solomon said, don't waste your time with people that are going to hate you if you tell them the truth. Right. And that's a, that's a, that can be a heartbreaker because you can get into relationships where maybe they were good for a while and then they, for whatever reasons, you know, you both got, codependent or co-narcissism was running rampant or whatever. And you can kind of tell where it's going to be okay or not is if when one of you starts to put up some boundaries by saying, I don't, this is, this stuff is not good. And the other person reacts in defense and anger and, you know, doesn't want anything to do with you. You kind of go, Hmm. And hopefully, you know, I, Michael and I did that and look at us 32 years later, but so it's never, things are never irreparable, but, um, but you do have to stop and look at things like that and go, well, okay. If, if you have to walk on eggshells around somebody all the time, then you don't want to be around that person. Yeah. And you if you shouldn't have to walk on eggshells, you need to be able to be yourself, think out loud, feel out loud in a, in a polite way. And, uh, and say, and hey, this that. isn't working for me. People, this is a boundary. It'll get you anyway. You know? <laughs> exactly. You think, <laughs> the push pads are going to take off anyway. You know? Right. They don't right. want to be around you either. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Right. This is true. And that's a hard one to learn. And that's a hard one to learn. And to know, you know, listeners know that you will absolutely be okay. Um, you, you will absolutely be okay. And all these things that we've talked about tonight help you with that okayness with the fact that life is difficult. So Paul, thank you so much for writing all these up. I love them, especially the dog poop stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you know, I forgot all about that until you brought it up. So. <laughs> 
Oh, and thank, that's right. Exactly. And thank you listeners yeah. for tuning in to Dr. Paul Meyer before we went on our roundtable discussions on mental health news radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy. I'm on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the radio.